You're listening to Broadcast Behind the Screens, the podcast brought to you by Broadcast and Broadcast Intelligence. This week, I'll be chatting to Dan Snow about History Hit and his new podcast. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Heather Fallon, a reporter on Broadcast. And I'm Alice Redmond, Head of Content at Broadcast Intelligence. So we are recording on the day before Edinburgh TV first kicks off. I'm in my hotel, Alice is getting ready to head over to Edinburgh. We're in prep mode, I've got a tiny little tea station next to me because I'm in a hotel and we're sorting out our schedules, arranging coffee dates. I don't have a tiny tea station next to me because I'm still at home, but I need to pack my bag after we finish recording this and get ready for my early morning Wednesday train. Yep, we've been booking restaurants and sorting out where we're going to go and getting ready for the one, maybe the one time of the year that all of broadcast gets together and sits down together and has a meal. It's like, (laughs) it's like Christmas Eve. This is broadcast Christmas. (laughs) It's the night before. With a lot more work involved. (laughs) I have not had a lunch break today because of all of the things I have to get done before I get on the train. But anyway, we are doing an Edinburgh TV Festival special next week. We've got an exciting guest who I'm personally very excited to speak to. But also we'll be talking about our thoughts on the festival, sessions we attended and loved, things we noticed, any interesting things coming out of the talks any themes yeah it's bound to be chock full of juicy sessions interesting commissioning news and the famous mctaggart lecture as well so if you do see us about we'll probably have on podcast microphones at the ready so come and say hello yeah we'd love to get some few little vox pops of everyone's thoughts of what's going on so it'd be great but in the meantime heather you are already in Edinburgh and have been for a little while for the Fringe. So tell every producer out there right now, who should they be looking to snap up for a TV deal? Uh, Yeah, I've been really, really enjoying the Fringe. I'm glad that I managed to sneak up a little bit early to catch some people. There are some phenomenally talented people that I've been managing to kind of go around and catch. It is actually very exhausting going to a comedy gig after comedy gig. Everyone is so funny that by the end of the day, you feel really lightheaded. But I think in terms of my personal highlights, I loved Anya Magliano's No Worries If Not. That was great. I saw Chloe Petz's Transience. That was also amazing. And then I had to go and give my like brummy comedians lots of support. So there's Josh Pugh, Celia AB, Good Kids, Eric Rushton. They were all amazing. And I think my absolute favourite is a bit of a rogue one. They're called Crizards and they had this kind of Western themed comedy. But it's weirdly a commentary on male friendship. It's, it's really, really good. And all of those shows, I think, will be doing little tours afterwards. So if you didn't catch them in Edinburgh, Go catch them elsewhere. They're all amazing. Sounds great. I'm very jealous, but hopefully we can catch a late, late night show while we're there. Definitely. We'll drag each other along, keep each other going. So 
This week, I spoke to Dan Snow all about History Hit, the SVOD podcast brand, newsletter, you name it. If it's got history on it and it's uh, a medium of broadcasting, they're they're all about it. (laughs) Well, let's take a listen. So thank you so much for joining us today. I understand you're in Utah and it's currently 6am. <laughs> it's 6am in Utah and it's pitch black outside. An amazing sunset last night in Dinosaur National Monument uh, looking for Velociraptor skeletons. So um, I am having a group. It's an amazing, amazing landscape out here. So I don't, I don't mind getting up at 6 I get to see the sunrise. So thank you for getting me out of bed. <laughs> You're welcome. So obviously we're here to talk about history here, which is your SVOD. But for those who aren't kind of in the know, I think it'd be great to start by you explaining kind of what it is and why it's so unique and such a unique element of the market. Thank you. It's, it's a, the SVOD is, is the flagship part of it, the bit that I'm sort of proudest of. But history is, is basically a kind of digital broad, a broadcaster, transmedia, I guess, I, newsletter, it's social platforms, it's uh, a podcast, of course, over a million listeners a week on the podcast. We actually have a network of podcasts now. And so it's, it's a, just a history broadcaster. And I set it up so sort of, I don't know, six, seven years ago when I realized the market was changing and, and as you, know, you, you have these conversations every week, but we've been through this kind of revolutionary change. It's been super exciting for broadcasters and, and people with content. And it was just a sense of, of years of making broadcast TV and the kind of compromise, compromise involved and also kind of the inefficiencies involved, right? You, you, you know, you'd, you'd be out filming in America like I am now. And then you'd have, you'd drop whole interviews and scenes and, you know, wonderful bits of history that it was great fun to make and fascinating because of, you know, it wouldn't fit within the hour or the half hour show. And I was just like, I think there's an audience out there of kind of history super fans who probably can tolerate a bit more history. And I saw it going on in sport. I saw, I saw friends signing up to golf channels, Toronto, I'm I'm half Canadian, Toronto Blue Jays have got a very active fan, subscription fan scene going on over there. And I was like, I think I can start something and it was brutal startup nightmare you know it was awful and difficult and and getting from zero to a thousand subscribers was a long journey the likes of which I will never be able to fully describe to you but but and yet here I am you know seven years later and I'm out we're we're now co-producing a show for channel five so I'm out here for channel five but you know we got a great deal with channel five where they get the broadcast entity we get to use all the unused content and we get to make long versions and we get to sort of shoot geeky interviews with historians about 19th century dinosaur hunting channel five will use you know a minute or two of those and and we will get to use the rest for our our show and of course we got audio we're recording audio when we're out here we're social posting we're we're gathering content for various other things so it is a it's a, it's a big history broadcaster on all sorts of different channels and it's um it's been the best thing i've ever done it does sound amazing and you mentioned you know that it's for the people that can handle a bit more history than you would find maybe on your typical broadcaster. But I understand as well, a lot of students are using it and it's got some great like transcription software and things like that going on. Yeah, we uh, the .com is, um, has a, a, a gigantic number of uniques now and that seems to be most useful. What's really interesting for us is how the different platforms got very, very different um, identities and profiles. But the paid subscription TV is slightly older and is our a majority American user base. So that's the American facing channel now, basically, extraordinarily. Uh, the dot-com is young, students, uh, people looking for help, but it dips, you know, in the summer months, in, in the vacation, in the holidays. Uh, the podcast is, as you probably would expect, sort of young, urban, uh, North American, Australian, British 
so yeah, every, every and then the, the some one social platform skews particularly um, Asian. Uh, so like it, it is very it's very interesting learning and being like being surprised by and being excited by all the different audiences and things you know what a huge le lesson for us is the English language how unbelievably lucky you are in this little island of ours to, to have our, our funny old language that spread around the world as a result of history uh, and um, lots of historical processes and therefore we, we you know we, we have really interesting things going on in whether it's English as a second language in India and places like that where people like using English media or, or just places like Canada as I said the TV it's America's our number one our biggest section of the market yeah like proper proper global audience really that you're able to reach through all the different platforms it sounds sounds fascinating and in terms of like subjects that you cover and areas you're exploring is there any limit to that or are you fully trying to expand on all all areas of history Alice, that's a really interesting and important question. We are we talk about this all the time in our little meetings. And again, it's different from platform to platform. Let's come to TV because it's broadcast. But like your brilliant, you know, publication probably is focused most on TV. So that to, on the SVOD platform, we are constantly surprised in a really good way. So we take a little bit of risk and we put something up on the front page, which will be maybe, you know, not sort of military, not Second World War, not a big chunky medieval subject. Maybe it's social history, you know, unusual. And, and it does pretty well. Like, mm -hmm. we, we, so our audience looks like our audience are history fans. They trust us to curate and produce history that's interesting. And they will watch what is on the carousel. And as a result, we feel pretty free to commission stuff that particularly in North America is quite unusual for history. So like, we've got no problem with you know, black and Asian history, uh, a, a big theme, theme like women's history stories. We, we don't we don't feel that we've basically found a load of you know, guys who want to watch Spitfires and mm. or, or medieval castle sieges. Those in fact, if anything, we're, we're weirdly finding that our Second World War stuff, which we always think is probably going to fly, we find sometimes that actually slightly underperforms. So I wonder if we're sort of gathering up a big, the, the, that big group of history fans who've traditionally been excluded from history. And you've got to remember, like, this is the thing. This is the elephant in the room here. People listening to this probably thinking, oh, my God, history is so golf course and old men and fathers-in-law mm -hmm. at Christmas and stuff like that, right? You've got to remember, history is one of the most popular subjects at a-level, cho like choices at A-level here in the UK. So optional choices in the country. It's one of the most popular degree, degree subjects in the world. It, so those historians aren't all those, they're not all just disappearing in their 20s and 30s. And the explosion of history podcasts around the world suggests that they were all there being massively underserved. They're, you know, young people in particular were, were interested in history, but they were a bit alienated by the journey from horrible histories to university history. There was then a gap and then they rediscover it at 50 when someone gives them their first big you know, Max Hastings book for that, you know, as, as they're, you know, becoming a hard to buy for middle-aged man. Turns out that that journey, actually, they, they don't lose their love of history. It's all their history. You know, more people visit uh, heritage properties in the UK every weekend than go to football matches. So we've, we've always believed at history, that, that history is actually quite big. It's not, mm -hmm. a, well, it might be a niche, but it's a massive niche. And so I think we probably are gathering up some people who are, aren't super excited by the kind of history that the media has thought they need to run with for the last decades which is largely second world second world war history so i think we're, we're picking up a lot of people who love the medieval period or, or love the 18th century and um you know and we do get a lot of people going oh you know there isn't enough 17th century history on there you're like well we are you know there's a lot of history out there folks so we are we'll slowly get around to all of it but i mean there's the commissioning is extraordinary because we all just sit there and go right what should we do i don't know come on <laughs> like, you, you, we haven't even scratched scratched the surface yet it's like the problem is it's too much rather than we've got too many ideas rather than rather than too little 
and, and also another big part of our commissioning has been when I when I was sort of thought to be the BBC sort of history person, I used to get all this incoming from all this exciting stuff. Like we just found a shield in a field or something. And you, ninety percent of the time, of course, like you'd, you'd go and have a chat with the commissioner. They'd say, "No, not me. We're not going to make an hour show out of this random person who touch you." The great thing now is I can, I can literally go, "Yeah, we'll be. We'll come down tomorrow." We'll come down on Thursday, we'll have a look. And as a result, we've we've got a lot of, we, we've done really well. We've got really good traction with the kind of sub-traditional broadcaster breaking news story. And that's not very well explained. But, you know, a, 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 an archaeologist found some some dog tags, like the ID tags mm-hmm. of, of people that were in the Band of Brothers, the famous unit of the 101st Airborne that jumped on D-Day and made, they made the TV show and the books about. And we thought, you know what, for our audience, this is this is big. So we would go down there. We'd film it all, we'd podcast it all, we'd make noise on social media, and we'd get picked up by traditional media because obviously it's, you know, they need stuff to fill. They want they want stuff that people click on. And so we've had a lot of these little successes where where the kind of global history audience, like, oh yeah, that's cool. But but we but a big broadcaster, it's just not quite big enough for them, or they're not agile enough to be like, yeah, yeah. Like BBC Two, I'm gonna like like break a hole in their schedule for two weeks' time to put in that kind of a really interesting Iron Age burial's just been found. You know, unless it's absolute top order mary rose whatever so so we're doing really well on that level so we've just this year alone with the hs2 found an extraordinary anglo-saxon era very early anglo-saxon burial site full of amazing objects we made a documentary about that we got ahead of everyone else it was picked up by the guardian it was on bbc it was on the bbc news on the day so so and everyone's able to say well there's a history of documentary available so and and i think and, and archaeologists and historians things are, are bringing that to us because they know they like us because we, we're, we're a decent kind of history broadcast. We try and be good. We're, we're all sort of history trained and, and with history fans. So we're not going to kind of go, this was brought to earth by aliens, you know. So I think well, we found our relationship with the kind of industry has been, has been really good. Something I'm really hot mm. on and try and make sure that we're living up to those standards. And in terms of modern history, do you do modern history? Is there a time period that you maybe stop at at all? That is a very good question. And, and that is sort of... I mean, yeah, we probably stop at sort of 50 years before present, but we bring things, we'd finish, we bring things up to the present. Like if we're digging it, like if there's a story about an archaeological site and it's under threat today, we bring it all the way up to the present and look at what happened to it. If we're making a program, like obviously very political, like about Trumpism or about uh, Black Lives Matter, we will obviously come all the way to the present. Yeah, but we'll look yeah. at the deeper historical, we'll sort of lurk, we'll, we'll spend most of the time in a kind of deeper historical past, but we will come all the way to the present for sure. We probably wouldn't commission a documentary from the 1990s, very sad to say, because mm. I would love to make the ultimate Oasis documentary. You know, there's a real trend at the moment with the PSBs, especially to do a lot of like, there was Blair versus Brown, there was the Spice Girls yeah. documentary, looking at real kind of recent, recent history. We we might do that. Now I think the I think the, the recent history we've forgotten to remember. I mean, look at the Chernobyl thing that was so exciting. You know, there's there's a bunch of stuff that were like, geez, that happened in our lifetime. That's crazy. You know, and I think we we know that about 9/11. We still commission a lot of stuff. You know, we, everyone watches 9/11 shows. And, you know, because it's just extraordinary. But you know, whether it's Chernobyl or you know Lockerbie, sometimes it's like, wow, yeah, we need to. That was amazing. So we did a lot of Falklands War for the for the 40th. Uh, we felt we didn't do as much as we wanted because COVID got in the way. But we did a, a big chunky thing on the Falklands War. I mean, again, that's for us. That was a good. We thought, look, you're going to get a, an hour on Channel Four and the BBC. You're going to get you're going to get your show. What you, you might get, what what you can get on history here is longer, deeper, you know, analysis and and texture. And so we that that's a, that was the that was 80s, yeah. And in terms of the kind of format of these shows, is there a particular way that you look to produce them? Do you like talent-led documentaries or is it just kind of all up in the mix? It's all up in the mix. We we go, we're quite talented at the moment. And the key thing is obviously being 
to make lots of shows that don't involve me because uh, that's that's these other presenters are a better and b you know <laughs> I can't do everything and so it's great so I'm now a very small fraction of uh, our, our output uh, and so it's I, you know, why do we use talent I think it's talent we found in the early days on a limited budget having having just a good storyteller to bring you along it felt like at a at a at a modest budget that that was sort of money on screen you get to get to get someone and so i guess rather than rather than shoot several interviews and do a lot of like b-roll gv days and stuff it was just it was just good to have someone to, to carry the story and, and rattle through it a bit more but but now that we've got bigger budgets we do make some so we did a big archaeology show just just with the contributors on on the site and things like that so i think we're probably gonna we'll, we'll do yeah we'll do we'll move into presenter free versions of things and in terms of for history hit the escort working with external producers are you looking for people to pitch ideas to the escort or are you making a lot of it in-house at the minute we make a lot of it well both what's been really fun for me is has been building and sustaining a team and it's a bit we're a bit old oddly it's a bit like a kind of 1970s newsroom so every, we, we've got staff and they stay and so direct and then because because we're self-commissioning right it's just so joyful mm-hmm. we, we they finish a project and it's like what should we do next okay go and do something about Anne Boleyn and so we can make we can we can train and recruit and and retain brilliant people which has been genuinely the highlight for me because as you know in the industry you go to Utah like I am now make something for BBC2 or Discovery you'll become best friends and you sweat and you cry and you change tires and you work late and then and then you all say goodbye in the airport don't see each other ever again and now you know we have this we have a team in fact we go even one step further some of the younger people are like i want to go on screen so we're like building our own presenters oh, and insane. so that so it is it's like an old really old school media business in that way which is super fun and so we are doing stuff in house but as we grow bigger we are using independence indies to make stuff for us and, and please do pitch we are our budgets are now pretty good they aren't probably where well and i think they're pretty good particularly if you know those if, if people a lot of people come to us they've uh, they they were they were in development with an idea they've been shooting for a year it hasn't got green lit for whatever reason they come to us that we're a really good outlet we're a really good route for them to recoup costs make a bit of money get that get that sort of show on air somewhere so yeah there's lots of ways that we can work together with people that are pretty beneficial to both sides and actually you know so far touchwood you know our, our numbers are all going the right way and soon you know our budget's going to be really competitive with everything out there so so yeah we're looking forward to doing more commissioning from the independent sector that's amazing and obviously you're working with channel five at the moment you've also got a co-pro with nat geo are you looking to continue to co-produce with more broadcasters yeah i think so we don't i don't want to become a, i don't want to go back and accidentally become you know a, a go back to my old career which is just mm. being a kind of a gun for hire and and, and even if it is my uh, well our own sort of history it's, it gets to own ip and have those advantages but yeah where it works for us it's brilliant and and channel five relationship has been really cool they, you know they're really interested in the broadcast entity and so obviously we we pull out the stops and make that as good as possible as as you as we would if we just ended work at channel five but it's the fact that when you're on location it boosts morale rather than going like uh, you know uh, this is like we're working 14 hour days in 47 degree heat in the valley of the kings which we were like insane and and at the end of the day you go what's really cool is that we were able to gather loads and loads and loads of content and do a lovely interview with that Egyptologist and that will go into Channel 5 and then afterwards, you know, a year after as well, but we will, that will be a really cool half hour for History Hit because that Egyptologist is super cool and our audience really wants to hear more from them 
they want to hear more than the, the, the two minute interview they want to hear they'd be very happy to hear 10 12 15 minutes and we got loads of amazing shots of the valley but also every time we do drone shots of the valley like, this is so cool we get to own these drone shots and you know use them and other stuff and, and because we can self-commission we can just build shows around what we've got in the future so it is a really good and exciting relationship and it's also really nice it is nice to stay on tv for me personally and it's nice to be part of the you know to have my to be part of both worlds to be part of the, the tv broadcast world and, and then and then have this exciting digital insurgency going on as well mm, it sounds sounds great it sounds like a great way to kind of work and build build an s and build a company really and you've also got stuff going on outside of the s so i think you're gonna announce a new podcast about american oh yeah yeah, thank you for allowing us to do that. We've got an American History podcast launching. So like everyone in the world, what, what everyone means, I think we can all agree is more podcasts. So that's uh, industry, um, something we all agree on. And so we've got an American podcast launching with Don Wildman, who's a very well-known American a US host broadcaster. And he is such a nice guy. I've worked with him over the years. And I did, the, the, our team were looking for a host for that podcast. And I was like, look, I don't want to, I'm not, not going to be tutorial here but can you please check out Don and then they came back three months later they looked lots of people and went well we like Don well so he's cool so that's great I'm so proud that he's doing that it's pretty fun we've got you know we, we, we're doing things like we've got historic photography year which is an existing photog- photographic competition and, and we are we've bought that this year and we're going to sort of use that to big, bring that to our audience and reach bigger audience stuff so, so that's fun people take amazing photographs and send them all in of historical sites so um yeah it's, it's just it's just so fun you sort of free and agile and, and just keep you know like we we were in tiktok in a big way just at the right time i think so that's sort of exploded for us so yeah it's really fun to do these new things and see what works like throw lots of market lots of walls and, and see what sticks it's it's very um yeah it's very it's like it feels like an emancipation yeah it does sound completely amazing and so exciting and just to kind of wrap us up i want to finish with like a fun one but what are you watching at the minute what's your what tv shows are you loving outside um, of history or maybe another good history doc you could recommend okay well uh, you know what's very interesting i went back and i went went to antarctica this year for that nat geo project you mentioned we found shackleton's shipwreck endurance we did lots of podcasting social media around that and then we sold that to nat geo when when we found the shipwreck as we were on the ship that that negotiation occurred and i just started well i you know what's really embarrassing i'd never watched sopranos and so i started watching sopranos and uh, it is it is annoyingly as good as everybody said at the time so i am still just trudging through that and having an absolutely epic time i'm probably going to get into the new game of thrones as well because it's history adjacent it's history adjacent (laughs) and i think we're allowed to enjoy that It was 6am in Utah where Dan is currently filming so I'm still so impressed that he made it up for our interview even though he reassured me that he was just happy that he got to see the sunrise that morning. I would not have had the commitment for a a 6am interview to be honest. I think that's so sweet yeah I'm definitely not a morning person I think I would have struggled with a a 6am start time but I really enjoyed what you had to say and I think It was really nice to hear that history here are going to be working with actual historians to get those big stories out there. Yeah, you can really tell it when he talks about it. It's just a company full of people passionate about history. And if you are interested in working with history here as an indie, you can find Commissioner Bill Locke's profile on Broadcast Intelligence's Commissioner Index. Just a small plug there for 
for CI. And also be sure to check out the American History podcast from History Hit. And I think that's us for today. We'll hopefully see some of you guys in Edinburgh. And if you can't make it, don't forget that we will be recapping it all next week with a little special interview attack. Yep. And if you are a Broadcast Intelligence subscriber, not only will you have access to the podcast, you will also be able to catch my email roundups next week. And we may be doing a little surprise webinar, but... TBD. So keep your eyes peeled on your inboxes. Bye. Bye.